What's going on, you guys? And welcome back to the Push the Tempo podcast. I'm your boy, Ari, and I'm with my guy, Kyle. So, yep, this is the 10th episode of the Push the Tempo podcast. So we're really out here. And in honor of that, we're going to kind of reflect on some of the takes that we had before this season started. We're going to reflect on our season and I guess kind of, yeah, season awards and kind of just go from there. So with that being said, yo, you want to start us off, Kyle? Sure. Um, so we figured we'd go back and look at our season predictions, uh, not only with the, who's going to win the championship, but season award predictions as well. Um, so do you want to start off with rookie of the year? Does that sound good? Yeah, let's start from there. All right. So for my rookie of the year, I had Killian Hayes as my pick. Um, so far, that hasn't really worked out. Uh, he's injured right now. I believe it's like a hip injury that I'm not sure if it required surgery or not, but he's going to be out, I believe, somewhere anywhere from four to eight weeks. So that kind of puts a, a huge dampener on his rookie season. And before he went out, he was struggling a little bit as well to create shots. And he was a little inefficient playing for the Detroit Pistons, who aren't very good right now either. So it's safe to say that that pick hasn't worked out for me. Who did you have as your rookie of the year pick? Um, well, Killian Hayes was definitely a guy that I was kind of intrigued with. Um, I had him in mind, but to be honest, he wasn't my clear favorite. My favorites were between LaMelo Ball and Cole Anthony, and I actually decided to lean closer towards Cole Anthony. And one of the things that I said about Cole Anthony was that it's going to be hard for him to get an opportunity to start over Markel Fultz, who started off the season really well, but unfortunately he got injured. And also Michael Carter-Williams is there. So I, I kind of thought that, yo, he probably won't get the opportunity, but I'm still going to go with him. And now he does have that opportunity. And he's made some pretty good highlight plays, including some ankle breakers and a game winner. But he hasn't been at that level where I can consider him to be the best rookie in this year's draft. I mean, LaMelo Ball is definitely the clear favorite. I don't know if you were going to agree with that or disagree, but LaMelo La Ball has definitely been the clear favorite rookie of the year. And, you know, I'll give, I'll give Cole Anthony some time, but right now he's not there yet. He's still making some mistakes. He's not scoring at the level that we expected of him. But, yeah, that's just my personal take. Yeah, um, LaMelo, I, I would agree with LaMelo being – uh, the favorite as of right now to win rookie of the year. I believe yesterday he made his first start um, after Terry Rozier was out, and that led to a win versus the Miami Heat, who they've beaten twice in a row now. And that's a team that's off to a, a rocky start, the Miami Heat. But, yeah, LaMelo Ball, he's it's crazy because Lonzo Ball, when you look at him, one of the biggest differences between those two guys is, like, LaMelo's – like, his confidence as compared to how timid uh, Lonzo can be at times. And Lamelo has all the twos. He's six foot. He's six foot seven point guard who has a great passing vision. Um, the three point jump shot hasn't been as bad as people as some people said it would be. I mean, it's still a work in progress, but people thought he would be shooting sub thirty percent. So yeah, he's definitely the favorite right now. Um, the Charlotte Hornets. I believe. I believe they're in the playoff picture um, as it currently stands. Yeah, they're eighth in the they're eighth in the Eastern Conference. So they're. They're in the playing tournament, but they're still a top eight seed, which, I mean, I don't think a lot of people um, had thought that this would be the case this year so far. But, yeah, I agree. LaMelo Ball is, is probably the the favorite as of right now to win Rookie of the Year. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, just kind of going off that about the Hornets, you know, I don't know if you've been watching some of their games, but they're definitely one of the funner teams to watch yeah. in this, this season, right? 
And, you know, Gordon Hayward started to make a resurgence, which is kind of sad as a Boston Celtics fan. But, you know, it's good for him, happy for him. But it's definitely been a team that's been fun to watch. And, you know, like, just kind of going off LaMelo Ball, his pack, his passing accuracy and the plays he makes, they're so, I want to say, unconventional or, like, not traditional that it's just not only has it been working for him, but it's super fun to watch, you know what I mean? Like, those passes he makes and things like that. Yeah, um... I was actually going to mention Gordon Hayward. He's a guy that he has a, he has a pretty good case to be an all-star this year. He's having a bounce back year. And pro- I think this is probably the not, it has to be the best season since he's left Utah, but this might be the best overall season of his career. I've caught a few Charlotte Hornet games. PJ Washington is a guy who I've been a fan of since he came in the league. Um, but no, you're right. They're a fun team. They get up and down and LaMelo is a very, he's a very intriguing player because of his skill set. And if that three point jump shot can become, um, can become consistent. That's the word. I think right now he has a pretty high ceiling, but with that, that can make him like an even, even better player like at his peak. Yeah, definitely, man. I, I can't wait to see what he does this season. It seems like he's growing with every single game that he plays. Um, and he even got that one triple double as the youngest player. So shout out to him for that. Uh, do you want to move on to the six men of the year? Sure. Who did you have as your six men of the year? <laughs> all right so this is gonna be kind of embarrassing because i know you had the same one as me if i remember correctly man we were wrong you know we both went with norman powell and <laughs> looking back on hindsight you know that's probably the worst thing that we could worst player that we could have picked honestly for the six man of the year award it was kind of in the air because you know lou williams was separated he's a former six man of the year then Montrezl Harrell is also the former and both of them have been playing like complete garbage in all honesty but you know there was tons of players to choose from and I thought that you know the Raptors have a huge hole on their team especially with Mark Gasol and Serge Ibaka gone so I figured the person to step up would be Norman Powell <laughs> but that hasn't been the case at all you know what I mean in fact uh, Chris Boucher had a stretch of games where he looked like he would be the better candidate than Norman Powell you know what I mean yeah um I also had Norman Powell as my sixth man of the year. I had the same thought process based off the year last year, Norman Powell, he was underrated and he had a very good year. Um, and so I was definitely wrong about that up till now. There's definitely time for him to turn it around. But so far, I'd say my sixth man of the year pick uh, based off what we've seen so far this year is Jordan Clarkson. Um, he's having his best year of his career so far, averaging almost 18 points, uh, four and a half rebounds and nearly two assists. He's playing on the Jazz who are, top three in the Western Conference right now and just came off an 11-game win streak. I believe 11 or 12, that was, they lost to the Denver Nuggets, but still very impressive. Um, He's just, he's been really hot to start the year. He's shooting 97% from the free throw line, which um, is crazy. And he's just having a very good year. So I say right now, he's my pick. Yeah, no, he's definitely my pick um, as well. Honestly, when the season started, I was like, yo, Karis LeVert is definitely making a strong case for him. But, you know, obviously he got traded. And then because of that, um, they found a problem with him. But, like, hopefully it gets better, by the way. But now that he got traded, you know, there's really no one else that I'm looking at other than Jordan Clarkson. And that's – and honestly, he's a pretty interesting case because he can literally legitimately come off the bench and score, like, 20 to 30 points every single game. Although his averages are pretty low, he's just been a complete beast. And no one really has an answer for him coming off the bench. Yeah, for sure. Um, did you want to Did you want to move on then to – the most improved player. Do you want to go with that one next? Yeah, let's go for that one. All right. Um, so initially I had Christian Wood as my guy who would win the most improved player award. 
uh, last year in a small game, small sample size. He started 12 games, averaged uh, 21.9 points, nine and a half rebounds and 2.3 assists. The assist to turnover ratio wasn't great, but I mean, he was on a bad team, so that's whatever. Um, but one of my reasons for him uh, being the most improved player was that if James Harden got traded, then he would become one of the focal points of their offense. And that is basically what has happened. Let me let me read you the point totals of his games since the James Harden trade. Uh, he scored 27, 24, 30, 20. He was hurt for three, and he missed three games, 22, 27, and 18. So he's been putting up huge numbers. Um, it's not a runaway. It's not a runaway race, I'd say, um, because there's other guys in there who we can talk about in a little bit that are um, that are in that position. But I, I feel pretty good about that pick as of, as of right now. Yeah, he's definitely a dude that was on my radar as well. You know, he has all the athletic tools, and he just looks like a beast when he's on the court. And even though last season he, I guess you can say he had junk minutes or they weren't really meaningful minutes, he was definitely putting up monster stats. And, you know, I, I knew I had a feeling that I was going to kind of carry over. But me personally, I had my boy Colin Sexton that's going to be the most improved player of the year. And at this point in time, I don't think there's a clear winner on who the sixth man of the, or sorry, the uh, most improved player is going to be. But Colin Sexton has definitely had a case. You know, he started off this year, uh, with 24 points per game, which is pretty good. And you got to remember, he's been injured. So, like, some of these numbers are kind of dis disinflated. But um, he's doing that on almost 50% from the fields with 43.5% from three. And one of the, the knocks, I guess, I had on him was his playmaking. And although he hasn't been a great playmaker, he's definitely increased his assist numbers over time. And, you know, that combo of Sexland, so Colin Sexton and Darius Garland, it's been a pretty good duo to watch. And, you know, Garland kind of makes up for Sexton's lack of playmaking. But with that being said, he's still putting up better assist numbers than before. And on top of that, I know many of you guys have probably seen the game against the Nets where he just kind of flipped the switch and became Colin Sexton. You know what I mean? He, he was shooting the ball lights out. He was basically making clutch plays and I believe it was like 15 points straight or something like that going into overtime so he was just a beast and honestly like I said before I don't really think that there's a clear favorite but Colin Sexton and Christian Wood are definitely the two that I believe are leading the pack yeah I was actually going to mention that the playmaking is not really that big of a deal as of right now because Darius Garland has been their their playmaker and he he racks up pretty big assist totals I think it's going to be a very close race however two guys that one guy for sure, and then the other guy I'll ask your opinion about. Jeremy Grant, man. Um, I didn't expect him to – I expected him to kind of struggle with efficiency, uh, being the number one option now on the Detroit Pistons, but that hasn't been the case. I think he's averaging 22 points per game, and he's doing it on solid efficiency. So, uh, granted, the Pistons suck, but, I mean, that's there's not really much he can do when – I'm sorry, he's averaging 23.5 points, um, but there's not much he can do when – everyone else on when the team is just not very well constructed and it's not a good team. Um, so he's another guy in the race. I, I have a question about another guy. Do you think, do you think Jalen Brown should be in the race? Cause I definitely, Yo. I definitely think Jalen Brown. I should swear be in to God, right you now. have, you have some type of password on my phone to see the notes that I have. Yep. Jalen Brown is the dude that I had as most improved as well. Um, I don't think he's going to win just because he's already he from last season, he put up great numbers, but yeah. this season he's putting out like astronomical numbers. You know what I mean? Like he's a legitimate 
in the talks of being an all-star starter just the way he should be an all-star starter yeah definitely but like see my biggest knock once again was on his plate making last year I believe he had more turnovers than he did assists but you know he's just flipped that over and although Tatum has been out a couple games and Kemba wasn't there to start the season I don't believe it's more of him just filling up those numbers for them he's also just taking the ball and putting into his hands he's him and smart are a pretty good duo smart is assisting him and i believe both of them together are the number one so smart to brown are the number one assisted duo in the league and on top of that he's leading the league in fast break points so that's just a stat to look at so he's definitely like an unstoppable force when it comes to you know the fast break but on top of that he's shooting the ball lights out he's making good plays he's defending the ball at a high level something that i kind of looked at last season and I was like, yo, he's not the best player. He's maybe a borderline all-star, but he's definitely made that leap. And some could even say he's become a superstar just by his level of play. Yeah, man. It's, it's crazy. When he, when he first came into the league uh, in the 2017 season, like he couldn't really shoot. Uh, he struggled to like uh, string together dribble moves. Now you look at him, he has a pretty great handle. He can shoot. And like you said, he, but the, one of the biggest flaws in his game last year was the playmaking. And now he's corrected that and he's become a much better playmaker. So he's a guy who, like you said, I think he should be starting in the all-star game this year. Um, so far this year, he's been the, the Celtics best player with Tatum being out because of health and safety protocols. Kemba Walker coming back from the knee injury and not being cardiac Kemba, but at this moment being chronic knee Kemba. Uh, he has Card- No, no, no. Cardio Kemba. Card- he just had running around. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, he's just he's been struggling a little bit since he's been back. And Jalen Brown has really, really risen to the occasion and picked up the slack. So I agree. I think I think Jalen Brown should be in that. But uh, like you said, he put up great numbers last year as well. So it might be difficult for him to win it. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's putting up seven more points than last year, which is just like awesome. And on top of that, he's shooting 44% from three. I don't want to go all fanboy on him, but like definitely a dude that's in the mix. And I just want to add one other dude in there. And he's also a dude that probably is going to become an all-star this year. And that's Melton Brogdon. And I know we talked about him before, but he he's took a step up and he's made this Indiana Pacers team a lot better than a lot of people thought that they were going to be in the beginning of the season. You know what I mean? Yeah, Malcolm Brogdon has been really good. I think I said he was the most underrated player in the league. And I think he should be an all-star as well. But last year he was last year he was really good to start the year as well. But then he got hurt and dealt with some injuries, and that kind of made him take a step back. But so far this year he's been healthy and he's been putting up numbers as well. So I, I don't think he can win it because he was already great last year. And this year, sure he made another jump, but I don't think it's a big enough jump to put him in the most improved category. I would yeah, say. that's a that's a fair point. Yeah, I know. But I mean, it's we can get a clear consensus that it's between Christian Wood, Colin Sexton, and possibly Jalen Brown. I would say Jalen Brown is in there for sure. Word, word. Yeah, no, there's definitely a ton of players that could compete for that most improved player. I wonder how it's going to go down to the end of the season. Yeah. Do you want to Do you want to go with the pick for the defensive player of the year then? Yeah, let's go for it. You can start off. Um, so initially I had Anthony Davis as my pick for Defensive player of the year. Um, my thought process was that with the loss of Dwight and JaVale and them adding Marcus Gasol, who Marcus Gasol is still a smart defender. He has like the IQ is off the charts and he knows positioning and rotations and such. He's not the athlete that Dwight and JaVale are. Uh, he doesn't offer the same vertical rim protection that those two did. And adding Montrezaro, who's undersized, he's not a great defender. I thought that 
um, Anthony Davis would be the guy to pick up the slack this year. Um, I still th- I think he has a very good chance of winning it. Uh, the Lakers are one of the better defenses in the league currently, if not, I think, the best defense in the league. Um, but another guy who I think should be in the race as of right now, actually two guys, one of them you're not going to like is Rudy Gobert. Uh, the Jazz are top three in top two or three in the Western Conference currently, and Rudy Gobert is a big reason for that. Um, if you if you had trouble deciding who was the most important player to the Jazz, uh, between Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, you got to remember they beat the Mavs back to back. Second one, they beat them by 30. And I don't think Donovan Mitchell played in either of those games. So I think he's the most important player on the Utah Jazz. And another guy is Miles Turner. I believe as of right now, Miles Turner is leading the league in blocks. Uh, the Pacers kind of struggle defensively with him off the floor. And he's been doing his thing as well. So he should be on that list. That's a fair point. I mean, um, before I talk about those, uh, let me talk about the player that I had as my defensive player of the year. So, I mean, I was a little bit biased here and I went for my favorite personal player and that's Marcus Smart. Um, even though through my biasness, he's still one of the greater defenders in the league. Um, he's one of the best on ball and perimeter defenders in the entire league. But that being said, I mean, there's not much he can really improve on defense. Like he, he's one of those few guards that can actually guard all the way up to the four positions, sometimes on occasion, even the five position. But um, as it stands now, I don't really think maybe he's in the mix, but he's definitely not a clear favor or anything like that. Um, and he also j- did just get injured. So uh, hoping he gets better soon. But, you know, uh, the Celtics as a whole have not been the defensive team that they were known for. So I can't really go and, you know, vouch for my guy, Marcus Smart. So. That being said, I'm just going to kind of talk about some of the players that you mentioned. So Rudy Gobert, man. Um, see, I feel like the Jazz as a whole, I mean, he's more of a like a paint protector, rim protector. But I mean, yeah, I get that he's important to the team. But, you know, you did mention that they beat the Mavs two times. I'm going to be honest. Uh, as I'm watching the Mavs, they're not all, you know, chalk up to what they're supposed to be like, you know, they're not as good as a lot of people think that they are. Um, and maybe it's just a slow start, but that's just one occasion. But I feel like as I'm watching the jazz, it's more of a team basketball game. And, you know, I gotta, I gotta chalk that one up to their coach, Quinn Snyder. So I don't, it's not necessarily that Rudy Gobert is a bad defender or anything like that. I feel like a lot of the team's success is not solely on Rudy Gobert. It's as the team in a whole, like the way they play offense is just, um, it's like beautiful to watch, you know, they pass the ball around. A lot of these guys aren't prolific scores. I mean, you got like Joe Ingles and guys like that out there and they're still dropping high numbers on the offensive end. With that being said, I, I definitely think that Gobert should be in the mix, but I think the clear favor as of now is definitely Miles Turner. And that dude, um, he's a dude that I was like last year, I thought he was going to be, you know, he had a terrible year last year and he kind of bounced back. And now he's one of the best defenders in the league, not just a rim protector, but he's also keeping up on the perimeter. He looks a lot faster than last year. So definitely think he's a clear favorite. Another guy that, sorry, I just wanted to add real quick. And I'm not even saying this to be a biased fan. I think Kawhi has a pretty good chance. Uh, I, I don't know about winning defensive player of the year because it's, it's difficult for a wing player to win it um, and a guard particularly, but I think he has a good case to be on the first team all defense this year. Last year, um, I believe he was second team all defense. That was more so just of a, a reputation award in my opinion. I don't think he was that great last year. Uh, Paul George took a lot of the tough assignments and the, the first option assignments last year in games, but this year Kawhi has really stepped it up defensively. Uh, everybody's seen the play of him just snatching the ball out of De'Aaron Fox's hands, but he's been doing much more than that. Um, he's been 
guarding for the most part the opposing team's best player and he's really just been he's been locking up while also being a better passer and scoring at an efficient level so I think he's a guy who deserves to be in the mix as well yeah definitely um he's definitely a guy that's been a great defender throughout his entire career it just it's it's tough like you said for a wing player to get it but I mean Miles Turner is averaging nearly four blocks per game which is just insane um as it stands now I kind of see it hard for him to be able to get the defensive player of the year, but he definitely should be in the mix. All right. So with that being said, do you want to move on to the MVP pick? Mm, yeah, let's go for it, bro. All right. So uh, my MVP, the pick that I had was Luka Doncic. And I think I gave sleeper picks as well. Um, my reasoning was that Luka was, he was the heavy favorite going into the year for the MVP. Uh, he was coming off a great year where he was first team all NBA Mavericks were second, were the seventh seed. Uh, they gave the Clippers a pretty good fight in the first round before losing in six. Um, and I think he, I thought he would be more efficient this year, uh, particularly as a free throw shooter and a three point shooter. Um, so far, particularly from three, that hasn't been the case. Um, one of the advantages I thought that he would have was that Porzingis would be out to start the year and Porzingis missed the first nine games. And that in those nine games that Luca would be able to lead them to a positive record while also putting up monster stats. So um, what do you, who did you have as your MVP pick? Well, originally I had Luca as well, but just, you know, for the sake of argument purposes, I decided to kind of stray off that and go on to a different player. Cause you know, we're kind of agreeing on a lot of them, but um, <laughs> I went with Paul George and I mean, it wasn't all just for shits and giggles. I did believe that he was going to have a way better year than he did last year. And, you know, I thought a lot of people were underestimating how good of a player he really is. I think at best he can be a top 10 player, but you know, I honestly thought that he would lead the Clippers to a, you know, first seeded in the West playoffs spot, you know what I mean? But with that being said, he kind of has done that. He hasn't, I guess you can say him and Kawhi are kind of interchangeable. Uh, so for that reason, I can't really say that he's an MVP candidate, but I would definitely put him within the top five or six players currently. Um, who do you think is leading the MVP race right now? And I, this is definitely interesting. Yeah, so this is tough currently because there's so many guys having great years. Um, top three, I would say that these three guys have to be in your top three. In any order is fine, but these three guys are in there. I would say is Embiid, uh, best record in the Eastern Conference. The Sixers lost to the Detroit Pistons without him. Um, Jokic, who was one of my sleeper picks, which I was right about. The other guy was Dame, who I was very off about. Um, Jokic, who's been amazing. He put uh, 47, which tied his career high on Gobert's head in a game that wasn't close throughout. And my third, my third guy is Kawhi. Um, like you said, him and Paul George have been the two guys that have led the Clippers to the first seed in the Western Conference. Um, at the beginning, Paul George was ahead of Kawhi, I'd say, in the MVP race. Paul George came out shooting, I think, almost – I think he was shooting 50% from three for a while. Uh, he's kind of started regressing a little bit to the mean, but he's still been amazing. I would say he's in the top seven, eight MVP candidates, but Kawhi since then has surpassed him, I'd say. Uh, he start, Kawhi started off a little bit slow. <clears throat> sorry and he's really picked it up since then and he's just been amazing as of late putting up pretty big scoring numbers and also playing elite level defense with the Clippers being the first seed I'd say he's the third guy who should be in the top three that's interesting um I definitely agree with the first two that you mentioned the third one I mean we're going to talk about that but you know I literally just got a tweet right now that said the player of the months for December and January are the Nuggets, Nikola Jokic, and the Sixers, Joel Embiid. And honestly, this is probably the most interesting 
uh, MVP race just because two of the top candidates are both big men and they have very different skill sets. So it's definitely interesting to see who will take it over or if this will carry over or not, or if somebody else will come from behind. But with that being said, like Jokic, he's basically, or he's not averaging a triple double, but he's right around the corner, which is amazing. I mean, Jamal Murray hasn't really been much of a help and he's just been putting that Nuggets team on his back. And it looks like they need a lot of help, especially with Jeremy Grant gone. I mean, he was honestly a really big personnel on their team, but with him being gone, Michael Porter Jr. was out with health and safety protocols. But you know, with all that, Jokic has just been a monster. He's like assisting the ball. He he's basically the core of that Nuggets team. But on the other side, you got Embiid who has just been dominant. And that's just completely different from Jokic because Jokic has been dominant in the terms of skill and passing and leadership. But Embiid has a different form of that. It's just been through post play and even his shooting has been pretty well. And his defensive anchor is something that Jokic hasn't been able to do. So in my opinion, those two are definitely the most interesting. And I think one of them are going to end up running away with the MVP trophy. But for the third guy, um, I mean, like you said, Kawhi and Paul George have been, you know, like a, a really good tandem. Both of them been been going back and forth and kind of leading that Clippers team to a number one seed. But this one's honestly been really hard for me. This third place, I have it like between like four players. So it's between, like you said, Kawhi, uh, Paul George lebron and kd and i'm having a hard time kind of deciding who should be in there uh, i mean kd's averaging great numbers i think he's at honestly like a career high of 31 points per game and he's doing that with or yeah he's doing that with like you know james harden and Kyrie on his team obviously this is a average for the entire season but still he's leading that nets team and then you got lebron who's probably playing one of his better seasons in terms of efficiency he's shooting above 40 percent from three which is something that we haven't seen in lebron and also anthony davis hasn't been playing um to the level that we expect of him so for that reason i kind of kind of got to put lebron in there as well and you know i think over time we'll kind of see who's going to run away with it and like you said Kawhi has just been a monster as well so it's really tough for me to decide who the third place should be but in terms of first and second, I think these guys are a big step ahead of the guys that are placed or mentioned at the third part, uh, third place. I think it's I think it's um, the league has really come a long way since um, DeAndre Jordan uh, running dunk and nothing else uh, was first team All NBA a couple years back, and now you have two transcendent um, centers, two transcendent talents at the big man position who are top two in the MVP race. I think that's really cool. Um, both those guys have a great case right now. Like you said, Jamal Murray hasn't been that guy. He's been dealing with some injuries, uh, some bumps and bruises, but he's just been very inconsistent. Um, and Jokic is, he's the engine of that team. And they're the fourth seed currently in the Western Conference, I believe, fourth or fifth. But yeah, he's been doing his thing and he's been playing very well. Uh, and be, like, like I said, the 76ers are the first seed in the Eastern Conference. And Without Embiid, they lost to the Detroit Pistons, who are the worst, second or worst team in the Eastern Conference. And Ben Simmons, his, he's been great defensively, but offense has kind of been a little tough for him. Um, but as of right now, I'd probably give the edge to Jokic just because um, Tobias Harris, Doc Rivers has gotten the best out of Tobias Harris. And I don't think the Nuggets will finish like fourth in the, um, in the Western Conference. I think they'll finish either second or third. Yeah, that's definitely fair. Yeah, I can see them. Like, they came off to a slow start. So, and on top of that, you know, this entire season, a lot of teams have been dealing with health and safety protocols and everything like that. So, 
the standings aren't probably what they should be or what they would be without all of this happening. But um, like the Mavs and the Heat, for example, like I think the the Heat are thirteenth in the Eastern Conference or something like that, and they had they had like Jimmy Butler felt like missed the entire season. He just recently came back. He's been putting up numbers, though it has been in losses, but. And uh, the the Mavericks, I think they've lost six straight. And by the way, in those six games, uh, Chris Paul, or I'm sorry, in the last five games, this Chris Paul has been averaging 26, six and nine on 53, 39, 96 shooting. And they've just been, they've been hooping. And last night, Chris Paul had 34, 99. So the Mavericks are in a tough way. Um, so yeah, uh, the, the standings this year are just really weird with people being in and out, injuries, the, the whole, the whole nine. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, before we get into who should be the championship team or who we predicted to be the championship team, this is something that we didn't do on um, the last podcast or whatever. Yo, do you want to talk about who you think is going to be coach of the year? I know we didn't mention that in the earlier podcast. Man, um, that's tough. Coach yeah, of the I'm year. Sorry, I'm like throwing you no, on no, the you're spot good. here. You're good. Um, I'm not going to say who I think should win it. I would say who I have up top right now. Um, Nate Bjorkren of the Indiana Pacers, he has them playing a whole different style. They're playing fast, they're shooting threes, and it's really it's really been a breath of fresh air. Last year when people thought that this DeMontis Sabonis and Miles Turner thing wouldn't work, and I was one of those people, I said that it doesn't really make sense to pay Miles Turner a whole lot if you have Sabonis and he's your number one, he's your best big. Um, but Nate Bjorkren has really turned that around. He has them playing, like I said, a faster pace. And they've been they've been playing well. Um, another another guy who I'd say is up there is Quinn Snyder. The Jazz are third in the uh, Western Conference or second. So I'm sorry, I don't I don't know exactly. And uh, kind of similarly, they've been focusing a lot on the three ball. I think as of right now, they're like the best three point shooting team in the league. Uh, Royce O'Neal is having a pretty solid year from three. Mike Conley is having a resurgence, and where they're doing all this with uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich, who I'd say is their best shooter. He's been he's been relatively he's been relatively not his to his standard up till now. He's been starting to pick it up as of late, but to start the season he was really struggling. And the third guy I'd say is and I don't even mean this to be biased, but Ty Lu. Um, last year there wasn't really much of a system under Doc Rivers, uh, but Ty Lu has the Clippers passing the ball a lot more. They're shooting a lot more threes, and he's just really changed the identity of the Clippers this year. And I think he should definitely be in the race as well, considering Clippers as of right now are the one seed. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with a lot of the picks that you had. I mean, Nate Bjorken, dude, he's, he's been unreal. Like this Pacers team, like at the beginning of the season, if you had told me, yo, they were going to be like one of the better teams in the East. I wasn't scared of this team at all, but now they have like a really complete team. I mean, they've got Malcolm Brogdon, great player and just all these guys they've been meshing really well together and on top of that the team isn't even fully healthy gotta remember tj warren went out for probably the season or at least indefinitely and then they've got karis lever who's another player that has not played for them yet and jeremy lamb is just wrapping up his activity as well so that team is not even fully healthy yet yet they're winning ton of games they're very competitive they're very gritty and you know a great team and definitely a, a breath of fresh air when you want to go watch them but my leader would probably be Quinn Snyder. And I know I mentioned him earlier, but like I didn't have the Jazz making the playoffs. And that was kind of my hot take going into the season, but they proved me wrong. And I feel like an idiot, but like it just didn't add up to me. Like they didn't really have so much offense outside of Donovan Mitchell and Jordan Clarkson. So I didn't really see how they could 
compete for that high seating in the Western Conference. But like I watched a few games and I noticed that their ball movement is just insane. The way they pass and make plays and just do and you know, overall just play the game of basketball is very beautiful. So I gotta say I was really wrong on that. And I credit a lot of that to their coach, Quinn Snyder. Another guy who I didn't mention, but I think should, and I don't think he'll win it because I don't think uh, this team will have enough wins, but Steven Silas, the head coach of the Rockets, uh, since the James Harden trade, the the Rockets are the best defensive team in the league and the Nets are the worst defensive team in the league, which, I mean, we don't have to talk about it, but you remember that game versus the uh, the Wizards where they gave up like 139 points in like 38 minutes or something like that. Um but he has them playing well. And I didn't think they'd be good defensively considering uh, Christian Wood. He's a good offensive player, kind of struggles defensively. Same with DeMarcus Cousins. I didn't think they'd really be that good, but he's getting the most out of guys like uh, Jay Sean Tate. Um, Eric Gordon's actually been playing solid defense, which, I mean, he's never been known as a defender, but he's been he's been playing well. Victor Oladipo, John Wall looks like he's back. So he's another guy who I'd say is he's in that he's in that conversation as of right now. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, the Rockets are on a six-game win streak. And, like, you know, with their personnel, you know, that's pretty impressive. I mean, some of the teams haven't been really the best, but definitely somebody to keep an eye on. And, you know, who knows? Maybe even the Rockets will sneak into the playoffs. They're definitely going to be in that playing tournament, though. This um, this sounds – I'm sorry. Uh, this sounds, like, kind of narrative-y and, and such, but the Rockets now, I think they, they, they have something to prove. Um, John Wall, James Harden, uh, John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins, like they've come out and said that they were like, they were disrespected when James Harden said that these guys aren't good enough and we don't have what it takes to win. And these guys, they want to, they want to prove that wrong and show that they're still like good players. So they're playing with a chip on their shoulder and the underdog teams uh, for the most part, they usually overachieve. So I, I could definitely still see the Rockets being in the playoffs. Yeah, and a guy that none of us mentioned was Victor Oladipo. He's another dude that, you know, the Pacers kind of just gave up on him or didn't really want him. Um, or for whatever reason, he's not on the Pacers anymore, but he definitely has something to prove as well. So definitely a team that's going to be fun to watch going forward. Um, that being said, you want to jump into who our predictions were for the championship team? Yeah, let's go. Let's go for it. Who did you have as the NBA champions this year? I had the Clippers and, you know, I mean, I know you didn't believe in me, but like they're currently first in the entire NBA. So, you know, got to chalk that up to my genius. No, I'm just messing. But, you know, they definitely have a ton of talent and, you know, a new head coach, new breath of fresh air and, you know, a lot of things going on in the league. But I definitely think that they're still going to win the NBA championship. What about you? Who did you have? Um, so I had the the Lakers winning the championship. And like like you did, I'm still gonna I'm gonna stick with that prediction. Um, Anthony Davis and my reasoning for that is LeBron is LeBron. Uh, he's gonna be putting up these numbers till he's like 45, probably not, but uh, you know what I mean. He's just he's continuing to age like fine wine. Like you said, this year is his best year shooting from three, and he's in year 18. Uh, hashtag year 18, I guess. But he's been amazing. And my reasoning is that Anthony Davis, like you said, he hasn't been like the Anthony Davis from last year. Um, he was first team all NBA and I'm pretty sure he was first team all defense last year. And he hasn't been that guy so far this year, at least on offense, he's been great defensively, but like, he's still, he's going to pick that up sooner or later. And when he does the Lakers as of right now are the best defense in the league. And once he starts putting in that work on offense as well, um, I think they will be even scarier. Uh, they still have like Dennis Schroeder struggling a little bit shooting from three, but 
he adds some downhill to that team as if they needed more considering they have LeBron and Anthony Davis. Um, but I, I'm still, I'm still roll with the Lakers as my picks for the championship. And man, no love for the Eastern team conference, huh? Hey man. Um, I mean, uh, dude, I thought, I thought the Nets, I, sh- I, I don't know if this makes sense, but I thought they had a better chance to win the championship before they made that whole trade. And then they do now. You know what? I, I honestly agree with you. Like I said, I've said this many times in the podcast. They clearly look like the best team in the East. They had a great mix of players. You know, Karis LeVert coming off that bench. It was like, who's going to stop Kyrie? Okay, give the ball to KD. Who's going to stop KD? Oh, they're finally on the bench resting. Oh, no, Karis LeVert is coming in, and he's just going to drop like 10, 15, 20 off the bench. And it just felt like it was like so annoying just to watch them destroy and demolish teams after team, especially when that Christmas game against the Celtics. But they kind of give that up, and for what? You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Like, James Harden's obviously a great player, but I feel like they could have been they could have been just fine just having uh, KD, Kyrie, and all those pieces, plus all their picks, because they went they went all in on offense because, sure, their defense before the trade was a little suspect, but like I said, they're the worst defensive team in the NBA since that trade, and if they continue at this rate, they're going to be the worst defensive team of all time. I think they have, like, a 119 point something defensive rating and that's the worst defensive rating in NBA history granted it's like a six or seven game sample size so it'll be it'll get better but like they're a team that you look at they don't really have much defense like at all their center position like for Westbrook in that game it was just it was a runway to the rim like he was just getting anywhere he wanted and he was scoring on anybody so um, I thought they had I still think that they have a great chance to make it out of the Eastern Conference but it, it all depends on matchups. And if they match up with the Lakers, like who's going to stop LeBron from getting to the rim whenever he wants? Who's going to stop uh, Anthony Davis forget, from getting whatever he wants inside? Like he's going to torture DeAndre Jordan. And who's going to stop – like, and this is even to a lesser extent, but even Dennis Schroeder. Dennis Schroeder is a guy who can get downhill and they don't have anybody to guard that. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, that's fair. I mean, they did add two players in their – I guess you could say like, you know, Weaver wire pickups or whatever, however they acquired them. They got Norvell Pelly, Pelly or something like that. <laughs> I'm sorry if I said your name wrong, homie, but, you know, I remember seeing him on the Sixers, and he was a pretty good run protector. But, I mean, outside that, he's kind of like a Mitchell Robinson-esque player, like very active, high vertical, great run protector, but gets into a lot of foul trouble. And the other dude they picked up for probably defensive purposes is Iman Shumpert, but, I mean, he's kind of old now, so, and he hasn't really seen the floor. But, you know... It remains to be seen, but like, do you believe in any of the other teams in the Eastern Conference, like the Bucks or Sixers, or maybe even the Celtics? Or are you just going clearly on the Nets? Um, I think I think all those teams have a good chance to do it. Damn, you you just left Miami out of there, huh? I mean, just, they're not in the playoff like picture as of now, but <laughs> I had um, to do it, man. Uh, see, like my my problem with the Bucks is that Giannis continues to be misused. Stop using him as the ball handler. Use him as the uh, the role, the screener and the role man. Uh, if you do that, I think they'll be in better shape. Um, my next, what was the next team you said? The, the I'm Celtics just saying, like, are you sold on any of the other teams? Like the, I guess the Sixers, the Celtics, whoever. I mean, like, it, it depends on matchup, right? Like, if the if the 76ers match up with the the Brooklyn Nets, like, Joel Embiid is gonna he's gonna torture DeAndre Jordan. Uh, he's gonna average like 15 free throws a game and probably average 40. 40 and 17 or something. That's obviously an over-exaggeration, but you get what I mean. He's going to kill that team. 
um, we saw the Nets, I mean, we saw the Bucks in the Nets play already. Um, Giannis was kind of getting whatever he wanted in the paint, but I'm not sure if the rest of those guys can really step up, can come playoff time, even though Chris Middleton last year in the playoffs, he had his best game when Giannis went out versus the Miami Heat, and they ended up winning that game. Uh, I'm not, I'm not sure if they can really do that. And they just, I don't think any team in the, in the Eastern conference has, has like the personnel to defend all three of those guys at once. You know what I mean? Granted, I don't think any team in the league really has that, really has that, has the personnel for that. But um, yeah, it's going to be, I think, I think um, the Nets, their, uh, their space or whatever the word is for error is very large in the East. But once it gets to the West and they have to play, say, the Lakers and the Clippers, probably the Lakers, um, I think they're going to – I think they're going to – that margin for error, there's a word. The margin for error is probably going to become razor thin, particularly versus the Lakers. Yeah, that's definitely a fair point. I mean, the Lakers and the Clippers are two teams on the Western Conference that, like, there's a big and a huge, I guess you could say, gap between them and the, the other teams, like – yeah, the, the Jazz and the Nuggets are pretty good teams, but they're not at the level of the Clippers and the Lakers. So regardless, with that being said, I mean, if the Nuggets or the Jazz were in the Eastern Conference, they'd probably be up there in the second or first season seeds in the East. So, you Yo, know, I got a I got a question for you. Sorry for cutting yeah, you off. No, no, you get what's so, up. So say that hypothetically that Utah's red hot three-point shooting continues uh, throughout the entire year, and then they go into the playoffs and continue this level of shooting. Say say they make the NBA Finals. How are the Nets going to defend Rudy Gobert? Man, they don't need to defend him, bro. He averages like 10 points a game, bro. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I really don't know what you're talking about. Man. But yeah, all, all jokes aside, dude, they're shooting the lights out like 40, 50% from three. I don't know if that's sustainable. Like, like you got to remember, Mike Conley last year was so bad. And <laughs> I remember we were all talking about him. Like, yo, like this guy is supposed to be like a borderline all-star, or the most supposedly the most underrated player in the league. And he just looked like garbage. But this year, he's really taking that step forward. But I don't know how long this is going to be sustainable for. And we've seen it time and time again. You know, they get to the first or second round of the playoffs, and they just end up getting bounced because of their lack of talent and depth. But, you know, we're going to have to see this year if they're going to make it or not. Yeah, for sure. Um, like you said, but I don't. Let I, me I, let me just say one thing though. Sure. If I was the Nets, and I was worried about defending somebody, my least worried player is definitely going to be Rudy Gobert. I'm not going to be worried <laughs> about him. I'm not going to lose sleep over him. <laughs> yeah, I mean the Nets, their biggest nightmare is probably Anthony Davis because, I mean, you 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 just saw like DeAndre Jordan can't defend anybody, bro. Like he's lazy. He can't rotate, and he's old. So, um, if if he matches up with Anthony Davis, he's gonna be put in the torture chamber man and it's going to be a long 48 minutes for either him or jeff green or whoever they decide to put on him yeah but um honestly i can see the nets making some moves before the trade deadline i mean they must have a plan there's no way that they're just going to take on no room protection and kind of just shoot for the finals like that they're probably going to make a move yeah yeah there's there's no chance like they they got to know that like to be a championship contender which i mean they have those three on offense which is better than any trio in the NBA currently. Um, but like their defense is just so bad. And there, there was this talk that Andre Drummond is going to get bought out and sign with them. Why would, like, what sense does that make for the Cavs? If you know that a team wants Andre Drummond, like, why would you just buy him out rather than trade him to that team and try to get something back? Granted, Brooklyn doesn't have any picks left. They don't have any, they don't like really have any assets, I should say. But hey, what if, um, 
they're banking on Landry Shamit going back to year one Landry Shamit and because he's been awful this year. And what if they try to get some pieces from the Nets for Andre Drummond? There, it would it would just wouldn't make any sense for them to just straight up buy him out. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. There's this probably like a quarter of the season done now. So there's definitely a long ways to go before we hit the finals or the playoffs or even the trade deadline for that matter. So yeah, with that being said, do you want to kind of wrap it up? Yeah, for sure. Uh, do we have anything else to talk about or was that it? I think that was pretty much it for this episode. All right, for sure. You want, you want to take us out then? Yeah, I'll take us out. All right, guys, it's been 10 episodes and we appreciate making content for you guys and you guys watching and listening to our content. So definitely appreciate you guys for that. If you guys want to check us out, we're on YouTube at the East Coast Browncast. Or we're also on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or anywhere that you listen to your podcast at Push the Tempo Podcast with Aaron Kyle. So you guys can listen to us there. We're on Twitter as the East Coast Browncast and also Instagram under there as well. So if you guys want to catch us there, leave a comment or something like that, you know, mean a lot to us. And if you guys want to be featured on an episode for a hot take or something like that, leave that comment. We'll be, we'll be sure to add you for the next episode. And with that being said, y'all, take it easy. Peace out.